Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. We all need to get a good handle on our build or redevelopment numbers. There are three main factors that I think affect your spend. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Okay, I want to expand on the thoughts I shared last week about bill costs and the really important things not to miss on evaluating those bill costs. I think a lot of new investors who are moving over to commercial can get this one wrong. Their expectations can be way off and that's often due to applying costing ideas that they've built up from residential or buy-to-let experiences. But before I get stuck into that, I just want to say a big thank you to those who recently left a review on the podcast. I really appreciate the kind comments, but also for you taking the time to write them up. And it does make a difference. I saw that in the podcast stats. So thank you so much. We'll have reached a few new listeners because of your actions. Okay, the real point I want to cover here is that we all need to get a good handle on our build or redevelopment numbers. As I mentioned before, there are three main factors that I think affect your spend. The first thing is the quality of the final product you want, or more importantly, you need, to create. This is the specification of the finished product, right? The second part is the build cost actually required for that spec, which I'm going to speak about in quite a bit of detail in a minute. And then the third thing is the actual amount So the fee or the license fee or the lease that the market is willing to pay for that product. It's about creating the perfect balance against the best possible margin. In other other words, optimising your ROI. So if you've got a good quality product that you've maybe spent quite a lot of money on developing, but the actual market isn't willing to pay for that, then there's a mismatch. But equally... If you've got a poor grade of product and the market is saturated with that and actually it's looking for four or five star quality product, then you're going to miss the mark there too. Of course, we've got to talk about the build costs and the actual numbers, which I'm going to go into. But I think the context of this, the background is that these three factors really are the most important things. It's the context, if you will. But let's take a little more time to talk about that second factor, the build costs. The other two, the quality required for the anticipated market demand and the understanding of what the market's willing to pay for it involve market research, which is sometimes overlooked by new investors, but it is something that you can do um, from the desktop, as it were. It's something you can find out yourself and get that information without necessarily having to go and pay for professionals to help you with that. But with bill costs, particularly when you're new, seeking professional advice, of course, is really important. But in time, your own experiences will help you evaluate projects when you're walking around potential um, properties. Now, I don't, I, I do get worried sometimes when I look around 
prospective projects with investor clients that I'm working with who don't quite recognise the scope of the refurb costs or indeed what the customers are actually likely to want. Sometimes it's, Jerry, I've got this building we're going to have. Look at it. What do you think? Well, what do you think you need? What do you think the market needs? And sometimes it's back to those basics first. Then you kind of work it right. Well, I think we need this spec because the market is saying to me when I do my analysis that we need some good quality space that's maybe divided up into smaller units than the current market um, place provides. So then you're like, right, okay, well, that's going to affect my build costs because I'm going to have to put up more partitioning. I need to give much better quality. And maybe I can't use any walls that are existing. Whereas if the building performs, or, or should I say, provides a space that actually suits the market demand, then maybe it is more cosmetic. But often it's not. And I think people often look at buildings and think, yeah, I could paint that up because they've looked at it in houses. I could paint that, put in a new kitchen, put in some new bathrooms, boom, done. It's not always the same. So I just want to cover some of those basics. So what are some of the things that might um, need to be thought about in terms of build costs? Now, of course, you know, these none of this is rocket science and you will have done this residential. But what about the roof? Let's start with that, okay? Doesn't need replacing. And sometimes in those older buildings, it can be patched. But is there maybe asbestos in there? Should it be removed or can it be encased? What about um, rack? <laughs> the challenges with concrete right now. Those little things might end up costing a lot of money. The heating, does it need replacing? A domestic boiler and system might cost, I don't know, two and a half grand up to five or six grand. I mean, for a smaller unit. But it could be more, of course, if it's a bigger house or whatever. But in a commercial building, it can be 10 times that cost. <laughs> so it wouldn't... It, um, one of our um, customers is looking at a building right now. They've bought... They've got the quote back for the, the commercial boiler replacement and some heating pipes, etc., etc. £35,000. It's not a particularly big project. But it can be quite surprising. You're like, holy moly. Why is that so high? And this isn't just because it's a commercial building. It is because often the scale, of course. And even a small to medium property is just going to need a bigger heat source. And sometimes it might need two for that redundancy. So if one of them dies, there's still a backup uh, boiler or, or whatever heat source it is that you've got. But ultimately, the scale does mean that you need bigger and bigger stuff and bigger pipes, bigger pumps. It all adds to the cost. So the original pump that you would have put in a house is not going to suffice a 6,000 square foot building. It just needs to be bigger. And it may well be that there's more storage tanks and an operation there to make sure that the regulation on the heat is more controlled than it maybe would be in a residential where you might just have instant heat. So, so I guess what I'm saying on the heating is, you know, don't necessarily just go in with the domestic viewpoint. And the windows. Well, we've, we've replaced... In one building, we replaced 88 windows. In another building, we've replaced um, 60 to 7, maybe 65 windows. And I can tell you, it costs tens of thousands. It's not a quick fix. It does depend on what type of window you're fitting and, of course, who's doing the fitting. But nevertheless, it can cost quite a lot of money. And what about energy efficiency? What is required now for your potential clients and what will be required in a few years' time to match more stringent compliance. So things like insulation, air tightness, 
the complications of adding that insulation, of course, and the effect on finishings internally, if you haven't added an insulation, where's it going? How are you going to hide it? And the roof comes up again, right? Does that mean we need to actually replace the roof or the waterproofing because we're going to have to insulate? And maybe with the energy efficiency, you're going to need a new heating source. So the one that's in there, you think, is going to get a few years, but ultimately you may have to buy a new one, install a new one. Another element that people sometimes lose track of is existing walls and ceilings. There's that thing about, well, what about the locations in the right place and the new finishings required? Because do they simply need a paint job, like I discussed earlier on, or actually are they too thin and they need double lining to make them soundproof? Now, I'm not talking through this to scare you into an inactivity <laughs> to just stay in residential because I want you to come into commercial, right? But rather, I want to arm you with a spot of realism. So what about 300 square metres of carpets or 3,000 square foot in old money at, say, £20 a square metre? It's £6,000. Plus, there'll be a little bit more. The electric system, is it time for an upgrade? And then if you're doing a more higher spec product, is there more money to be spent on furniture and design so that the space is more enticing? And here's a big one people often forget about, fire system, the installation or an upgrade. I've made this mistake. I've bought buildings where I think, do you know what? That fire system's been maintained by the local authority. Um, it looks pretty robust. There's fire um, heads in every single orifice of the building. But actually, these things do need upgrading. And of course, as technology moves on, some of these things get less support and eventually they need completely ripping out and starting again. And that can be tens of thousands, depending on the size of the property. Toilet upgrades, this one always gets me. Gents or females putting in new ceilings, new walls, cubicles, sanitary wear, easily 10 grand. Can be a lot more than that. And you can't rent out a toilet, unfortunately. <laughs> it's part of the service, right? But it can be quite a lot. And then, of course, there's any tech required for things such as doors or um, sort of like access doors or cameras, internet provision. And these things tend to add to upfront costs. There are ongoing costs with those, but the upfront can be quite steep. So you can see even a small building with a requirement of what looks like only comestic, comestic? cosmetic repairs can end up costing a lot more than the, say, £100,000 budget that you had. A new heating system, double glazing and an electric upgrade could use up the 100 or 200k budget before you even move on to the roof, the internal partitions, improving the entrance and the finishings. So when I go into buildings now, I make a reasonable guess as to the square metre cost based on the specification and the market requirements that I think there are. And this is for our team to carry out the works. So within our general area that we operate in, rather than, for instance, going down to, let's say, Manchester, which is four hours away or just over four hours away from us, where I'd have to set up a new team, the expenses are different, the way it's operated is different, whereas where we are locally, I'm just giving you some context on my pricing, but where we are locally, a lot of the team is either employed directly by us or subcontractors, and we kind of know what stuff's going to cost. But I would budget between, and here's the numbers for you, £200 a square metre to £800 a square metre. That is what we have spent. Now, I know that's a huge difference, firstly, but I can't give you anything more accurate than that. 
And in fact, some listening to this who've done a few projects already might be saying that is complete rubbish. We spent £100 per square metre. Tops. Or actually, there'll be some who are listening saying, you can't do this for less than a thousand, maybe two thousand pounds a metre. It all depends on where you are and what spec you're providing. But there are some pretty high upper limits. Now, as an example, if you have a 6,000 square foot building, 600 square metres roughly, then I would be personally budgeting between 111 grand to 440 grand based on 200 pound to 800 pound a square metre. See how far out that can be. And that will absolutely make or break a project. So it's really important, isn't it, to get that number right. Now, I'm not saying this is you making an offer and completing on a building based on um, this back of a fag packet calculation. But it's handy to have some rough numbers in your mind. So when you go out and look at a building, you can quickly assess whether this one's worth looking at or not, or going into more depth and bringing in the professionals to actually start maybe using a QS to work out what these things are going to cost. But that variance is pretty significant. And this is the bit that I get concerned about when I'm looking at buildings with some new investors because I've seen both ends of the spectrum where investors budget and they underspec the offer. So it's always difficult to keep high occupancy. So they might spend, they've looked at the market and they decide, well, I'm not going to spend too much. I haven't got much of a budget. I've got £100,000 or whatever it is. This is what I'm going to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you just have to understand that, well, it might mean that the spec is a bit lower, which might make occupancy more difficult to keep. And the customers attracted are not always the type of customer you may want to work with long term. At the other end of the spectrum, though, some spend far too much on the fit out. And there'd be some high profile casualties in the flex market where that is exactly the case. There is a company right now, very well known, that is teetering on the edge. Now, they just went overboard. I'm not saying they did, but in general, those that have spent a lot have gone overboard with that spec. And the finishes, without understanding the market price point, and usually that's coupled with the fact that they've got a large budget or a large resource for money, which has reduced the need for discipline. And I think that's key. When people have a pot of money to spend and they're buying a building and there isn't that scraping by, that challenge of trying to make your money go as far as possible and there's almost this target to spend rather than a spec to meet, it means there's less discipline. And I've seen that a few times. So over the last few years, I have viewed a number of possible locations for CPI customers a number have been in poor condition. And I thought it was worthwhile taking a, talking a little bit about the implications of buying properties that are in poor condition. Often they can only work as two-star, but it'll have a shelf life. So the reason, what I'm saying is you might have a building that's just going to cost too much to do up. And when you get it to that sort of five-star level, that actually the market locally may not support that. So building a or taking on a building, sorry, and redeveloping it to offer a two-star offer is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think it'll have a shorter shelf life and a poor building will cost a lot to bring up to that four-star potential. And I'm just saying that actually, sometimes that building that you bring up to two-star, which is maybe not going to have such a long shelf life, long-term is going to be affected by what's happening to... Um, 
the market compliance that you're having to go through to upgrade buildings, particularly from an environmental point of view, that actually in time make it so this project's just not going to work. So there's there's that thing sometimes of looking at an older building and thinking, yep, it's watertight, <laughs> it's wind tight, I can get some electric in here, some kind of rough kind of heating, people are going to rent this space. It doesn't always work that way, I'm afraid. And if it does, your price point is your only thing that you're going to be able to use for competition. So just bear that in mind. Just another example I would share with you before I move on is our spec size or building size that we often look for is 10,000 square feet. I have to say we've moved on from that, but 10,000 square feet is a good number for these buildings, particularly if you want to put staff in it. And if you're looking at a 10,000 square foot building, 1,000 square meters, that means that really your average cost or our average cost for doing up those types of properties is going to be from 100 grand up to 700 grand based on the our operation, how we do it, and using a project manager rather than a main contractor. Now, I'm not saying that's how much your building's going to cost, but it's just to say there's some pretty wild variances there, so you need to make sure you get that right. My point, we need to make sure we're realistic on the actual refurbishment costs and get the right balance between what the market wants, what to spend on the building spec to meet that optimal demand. I have had a number of investors asking me if I would come to look at the potential properties recently to sense check their plans, to look at the market analysis, layout proposals, and some of those likely build costs. And if you want me to come and look at your building before you jump in head first, then reach out. You'll find me on the CPI website or use Instagram, LinkedIn, all those sort of places. Just drop me a message. I'll be happy to do so. Right then, I need to get on. We have so much going on right now, lots of redevelopment opportunities to work through. So I'm going to catch up with you very soon. Thanks for listening and keep those reviews coming in. Mm-hmm.